Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, they keep escalating the hype on Russia. And for sure, once the war games end, they will take their victory lap. Both Ism Kant on Locals, Sir Tim of the Tunnels uh, tweeted at me the same idea. He even said maybe Kamala will take credit for it. They are teeing her up to take the reins. I don't think that's a crazy thought. I always thought the easiest way to get somebody in office who might not be able to win an election is just hand off the reins to him or her. And that would ensure her place in history as the first woman president, even if she didn't win. However, it looks like there might be something else going on here. I kind of had an aha moment with this when I saw a headline. It said, after early foreign policy missteps, Biden's Ukraine strategy leans on diplomacy. Allies say the Biden administration has changed its approach following the mishandled Australia submarine deal and withdrawal from Afghanistan. So I was thinking that maybe they were setting this up because, and I'm going to get into a few details here, they were setting this up to make it look like there's this huge diplomatic crisis that we're on the brink of war, that it's really like a JFK moment with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And when it doesn't happen, they are going to be able to take their victory laps. Maybe it's um, Kamala Harris, maybe it's, it's Blinken, the Secretary of State, but it looks like they're setting it up or at least some angles are that it's Biden redeeming himself for the Afghanistan debacle. Now, I would even say I'm so cynical that I don't even necessarily think it has to do with image or politics or anything, but that these kind of storylines, these kind of narratives, this kind of drama and conflict is essential to keep people engaged in this idea of kind of the left-right dialectic, the the Republican Democrat psyop. So I feel like that is that is definitely part of what's happening here. Biden is trying to counter his image from Afghanistan, but I'm not even sure it's pure politics. I think in some ways it's pure propaganda. But the biggest propagandist here seems to me to be Blinken, who is the Secretary of State. I think he was over at the UN making a big speech. He said, I am here today not to start a war, but to prevent one. And I could just hear, just was so JFK sounding, or actually, I we I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him, just really bringing some kind of statesmanlike drama to this. And he goes on to say, if Russia doesn't invade Ukraine, then we will be relieved that Russia changed course and proved our predictions wrong. That would be a far better outcome than the course we're currently on. And we'll gladly accept any criticism that anyone directs at us. So he's setting it up so that when something doesn't happen, that probably isn't it definitely isn't happening anyway, they can get credit for something negative. He goes on to to build a bridge, a diplomatic bridge for Russia to walk across with no shame, no, um, he doesn't want the credit. He just wants the outcome. He says the Russian government can announce today with no qualifications, ev ev equivocation or deflection that Russia will not invade Ukraine. Stated clearly, stated plainly to the world, which they have said a thousand times, and then demonstrate it by sending troops, tanks, planes back to hangars and sending diplomats to negotiating tables. In the coming days, the world will remember that commitment or the refusal to make it. Now, if you recall, Russia and Belarus had planned 
war games from February 10th to February 20th. So this is going to be over February 20th. Blinken and Lavrov, the foreign minister, have an appointment for next week. These diplomats will be negotiating. Putin has said he's not invading Ukraine. And when these war games are over, he will return these people to their troops. So Blinken is predicting the future. But he's establishing a narrative that makes him look like the hero who doesn't care who gets the credit as long as we avert war. And this will be Biden's Cuban Missile Crisis moment. Now, Biden, on the other hand, said the U.S. has reason to believe Russia is engaged in a false flag and that an invasion of Ukraine may happen or will happen in the next several days. Putin's already said or Russia's already said that's ridiculous. It's just making things worse. And then. The last thing I'll say is that Jens Stoltenberg, who's the NATO secretary general, is such a freaking shill, so unprofessional. This is really a, a military approach. He says... He says this, which is just not at all believable, and it's not true. To have so many combat-ready troops in and around Ukraine, it's not a normal exercise. It's not a normal activity on their own territory. It is a, a announced war game. Yes, it wasn't in the normal schedule, but it's been out there for months, long enough for these guys to tee up this messed-up narrative. Stoltenberg continued, this is something that is threatening an independent sovereign nation, and they can launch an attack with hardly any warning at all, and that's the danger. Yes, Russia is on the border border of Ukraine, just like it always has, which is why it was natural for them to have an alliance with Ukraine, which the EU blew up and Victoria Nuland responded with a coup against the the democratically elected president of Ukraine. We are in over in a place that we don't belong. And this guy is absolutely feeding a narrative that is not true. It's it's not just him feeding the narrative. It's Boris Johnson. It's as you said, Biden, this is a worldwide coordinated effort messaging campaign. They're all echoing the same talking points. So we usually hear that with our news agencies in the United States. Now we're hearing it across the board around the world. And the Brits are getting into it with Boris Johnson accusing Moscow of a false flag operation. Also, what happened was Kiev released images today of a badly damaged building with children's toys on the floor surrounded by debris following an alleged shilling shelling by separatists in eastern ukraine now watch the video it's about a minute 30 seconds long and it looks like it could be a kindergarten class and there is concrete on the floor kiev was hit by from shelling from the from the provinces on the russian border And they say that Russia is responsible for it. This is the allegation. And there is a hole in the wall. There's nobody there. There are no deaths reported. All you have is one person filming a room that could have been destroyed or not even destroyed, just have a hole blasted through it by anybody. Could be a construction group out there that did it. So you don't have much evidence of what they're claiming, but that doesn't stop them. It doesn't stop Boris Johnson from going out and publicly announcing that the attack on the kindergarten was a false flag operation designed to discredit the Ukrainians. He says, we fear that much that that is a thing we will see more of over the next few days. So he's predicting more false flags. And the UK's Ministry of Defense amplified things even further by tweeting out a graphic showing seven invasion routes, which they say Russia may choose to attack Ukraine. So they're laying out Russia's plans, full transparency. And they then the UK then called on Russia to withdraw its troops, saying there's still time. There's still time for diplomacy and de-escalation. And the foreign secretary of the UK also <laughs> tweeted that these reports of the alleged 
abnormal military activity by Ukraine are a blatant attempt by Russian government to fabricate a pretext for invasion. This is straight out of the Kremlin playbook. How many times do we have to hear this is straight out of the Kremlin playbook over the course of the past four years and now again this month? It's just it it makes me feel I, I can only imagine Putin's posture. Like it seems like all these people are in a mental institution. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? They're just freaking out. Now, I think he messed with them a little bit in planning these war games in Belarus six months after the, the like every four years war games that do have in Belarus. So this was not in the normal course, it seems like to me. But he's going to end them when he said he was going to end them. And people are just, why don't they say they're going to pull back troops? He did. He was like, yes, this is all... Well, according to plan, I'm not going to accelerate my plan for you, but you're acting crazy. Yeah, this level of coordination, Nate, worldwide, through the UK, through the US, this reminds me of what you read about the propaganda that the UK organized and roped America into leading into World War One. just the the message is the exact same. I'm so sick and tired of hearing people in the news and now hearing world leaders say the same exact freaking words like robots. There, there is some, there is not everybody in NATO. They say that everybody in NATO is 100% parroting the same thing, but it's not true. The guy from Croatia, the guy from Turkey, they have said like, this is not, even in Ukraine, they're like, could you just tone it down a little bit? I agree with you that it is like the US, UK, NATO, who they completely control mm -hmm. fomenting this narrative. But I feel like I, I think if we were looking at news that wasn't in English, we probably wouldn't get that complete consistency of message. And seriously, if you're accusing someone of attacking a, a kindergarten, now there was nobody there. Nobody got hurt. Maybe they knew that. And they're claiming the Russian intelligence agencies were in that area at the time. That's how they say they know. But if they're going to act on a premise that Russia is attacking kindergarten classes, then that's going to demand some sort of response. If we see more false flags like that, even that you don't attack kids and not respond to an attack on children. Right. This is getting into atrocity. Did they say propaganda. It was Russian forces or did it say it was separatists? They said they said it was Russia and they also said it was separatist. OK, because the separatists are very far away from Kiev and they don't have that kind of reach. And also they aren't Russia. So they do supposedly use Russian uh, equipment and stuff that they get from Russia. But it would be hard to I mean, if it's the separatists that wouldn't like justify invading Russia. But, yes, I agree with you. They're they're using these false flags. They're using these stories to make right. it feel tense but i don't i don't think they're going to do anything i just think they're trying to pump up the tension and the stock market's really falling for it and it's yes falling. the stock market is falling for it and they're not providing evidence either it's just their word against the word of russia who denies it and this war is playing out on social media we talked about the meme war yesterday it's playing out on tiktok the tiktok war this is an article from axios Videos of Russian troops massing on Ukraine's borders are being widely disseminated on, on TikTok, giving the world an unprecedented view of what's happening on the ground ahead of a potential war. Now, I like how they opened with that, despite every other article about TikTok being how it's full of misinformation and lies about vaccines and everything else. But when it comes to this, when it comes to this, <laughs> it, it's the arbiter of truth. Yeah. And 
the article goes on to talk about how the world has moved away from a top-down view in which the public learned about military movements only through big media outlets and governments that we're now learning about it through these social media platforms, people on the ground. And they say that the Russian military and open source intelligence expert, uh, including a guy from the Rob Lee of King's College is the guy's name. They've compiled Twitter threads with hundreds of crowdsourced videos of military equipment and units on the move toward the Ukraine border. Many are sourced from everyday Russian citizens posting on TikTok, Telegram, <laughs> Twitter, and sure. other platforms about the unusual sightings of tanks rolling through their local stretch of highway. So a ground up crowdsourced effort is what they're claiming and it's emerging on TikTok. And they bring out a theme we've talked about a lot that this open source intelligence community has evolved from a niche corner of the internet to a major player in one of the biggest stories on the planet. Remember the Brian Laundry story, how it was yeah, crowdsourced. We talked about the crowdsourcing of the work from the FBI, the same thing they did with January 6th. See something, say something. The sedition hunters, they're, they're getting the public to do their bidding for them to turn against citizens here and worldwide. Yeah, and, and the idea that we're supposed to trust that they say where this stuff is coming from, I find right. pretty hard to take since they're the ones who are saying things like, uh, they're going to use crisis actors and this is all Russian subterfuges. If we never engage in that kind of stuff, it's kind of crazy. So um, it looks like rumble isn't getting the feed. Yes. I is, saw that. I'm not uh, sure yeah. what the. Yeah. So um, that's okay. I have a little throwback to a story I had a long time ago about, I don't know if how many people are watching and listening from when the WSB days, but from the first moment that Lori Lachlan was accused of cheating and lying on behalf of her kids to get them into school, I called BS on the varsity blues thing because she just was a person who you told me was all about morals and religion. And I just didn't believe it. So I dug in immediately saw in the FBI affidavit that Rick Singer, the scammer, was deceiving her and her husband into giving him $500,000 when they were poised to, to his, quote, scholarship fund, which they believed when they were poised to give a million or more directly to USC because they knew the athletics director there. So they were scammed. It was even in the FBI affidavit that he was trying to keep the information from them as he was doing his machinations behind the scenes. It was really a crazy story. But I never touched on any of the other parents. So anybody who capitulated and pled like in the beginning, they got a couple of weeks in jail or whatever. When Lori Lachlan said she was facing a year and a half, when she said she was going to fight it, they immediately upped the charges so that she could face 40 years in jail. And in my opinion, that's the abuse of power so that they can get you to not exercise your right to a jury trial. And they pile on a whole bunch of different laws, different crimes for the single action that you've done. And then they say that you might have to serve those sentences consecutively rather than concurrently. It's really, I hate it. So there was another parent who fought, who, who was fighting this, the end, I believe he got it. I think this was a jury trial that he just concluded. Uh, John Wilson, he was just convicted mostly of mail and wire services fraud in connection with this varsity blues case. And I, I, that's a really sketchy thing to be convicted of anyway. It's that you use mail services and wire services in 
the in conducting a fraud, but his fraud was really not uh, not really a fraud in my opinion. And as his uh, his lawyers argue, is that. What he was doing is he was making a big contribution to these schools to put his kids at the beginning of the list, but they were totally qualified. So his son, who is a water polo player, played water polo at USC. His daughters, who went to Harvard and Stanford, got perfect or near perfect scores on their ACTs. And they hired this guy, Rick Singer. It didn't even doesn't really it looks pretty legit and i could see if the you know if they were, if he was paying people off bribing them then the school could maybe sue them for tort or whatever for damages and then you know the public court of public opinion is like well he deprived more qualified people of getting in and i would say he his kids were qualified and as a person who received a full scholarship from harvard it's people like him who pay for people like me who could not otherwise go so you could make the other argument that he's actually let, letting people go who are not privileged who could not otherwise go but there are a few more uh details about this that i wanted to tell you he is suing netflix this was this was announced a while ago for the negative portrayal that their documentary haha on the subject gave him they actually gave lie detector tests to them before they aired it they said like we did not we did not uh plead guilty to this you can't portray it as if we are guilty it will be very difficult for us to get an untainted audience after you've You've demonstrated or tried to demonstrate our guilt in front of 200 million people. He um, he paid, I think, more than a million dollars in contributions. He now um, he's 62. He's from Linfield, Massachusetts. He was sentenced by a U.S. District Court judge to 15 months in prison, two years of supervised release, 400 hours of community service and a fine of $200,000. He uh, was also ordered to pay the IRS $89,000. Now, what he did, they say, is that in 2013, he agreed to pay William Rick Singer $220,000 to facilitate his son's admission to USC. And the scheme, as they're describing it in this article, present, uh, involved presenting William's son as a... Uh, a star athlete. And they're arguing that he was now Phil Mickelson and Joe Montana also used Rick Singer and they weren't charged with anything. So clearly they, the, the argument is there that they used Rick Singer for uh, just as a college consultant and to give the guy $220,000, 200 of which was for his, um, his college fund, I think, or it's 100 was for the college fund. A hundred was for Singer's company and 20,000 was directly to Singer. I could see those being fees and, and believing that that was a scholarship fund. Um, so they said it was never used for, to give anybody a bribe or any of that. And they look forward to presenting a, an appeal that's very powerful to the first circuit court. Now they, they, they will probably, I, I mean, that mail and wire services fraud is so sketchy. It was already something that is like made up to start out with. So I don't know how the rules would work with with Bill Cosby. I was pretty sure he would get it would get overturned on appeal because I knew well the funny business that was going on there. And Bill Cosby's conviction was overturned on appeal. However, they didn't suspend his sentence until the appeal was resolved. So they put an 80 something year old blind man who had already had a hung jury. It was already pre 
promised by a prosecutor not to be prosecuted, not for any reason, but for the guy thought he would not be able to get a conviction because there were witnesses that supported Cosby's claim. So all these things would have, in my mind, argued in the sense of fairness not to put him in jail. But he still served three years in jail waiting for the appeal, which he won. So if they make this guy do all that stuff, which is expensive, time consuming, humiliating, and they drag that appeal out for years, he could actually um, completely serve all that before he even got the appeal. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that they're that they expect that, but they wanted to make an example of him. So they they did this and maybe it won't even stand up. I don't like it. I hate this whole case. It's disgusting. And I think that the ultimate purpose of this just and COVID has contributed to this also is to make sure that there aren't private colleges around for middle class and upper middle class people. You're either in the Ivy Leagues who don't need any more endowment money or you're going to state school where you're absolutely 100 percent guaranteed to be propagandized and brainwashed. Right. You're either not, you're either in the Ivy League where you're uh, indoctrinated to be uh fascist or you're in the public schools where you're indoctrinated to think that the fascists are promoting democracy. The gift that keeps on giving. Oh, wait, one other thing. Bill Cosby, his lawyer was just hired by R. Kelly, which I think is hilarious. R. Kelly fired his lawyer and said, give me Bill Cosby's lawyer. <laughs> Watch well, he doesn't want Bill music. Cosby's PR agent. That's for sure. No, he has the worst PR agents. Must be Harvey Weinstein with the PR that he he tweets out. Anyway, as I was about to say, the gift that keeps on giving of Chet Hanks, Tom Hanks, thirty-one year old son, not the not the good sons, but the son that either is pretending to kind of oppose his father or actually is, is back in the news today. The thirty-one year old rapper took to YouTube to talk about how he did not have a strong role, strong male role model growing up. And in the video, he was talking about the disrespect he endured from his peers over his wealth, fame, and being perceived as being arrogant, entitled, and spoiled. And he said this, he said, I didn't have a strong male role model to tell me, bro, F these people, F the haters. These, they're just jealous of you. And he said, you have all these things that they want, so they're trying to F and throw their shade at you so they can feel essy about your so you can feel bad about yourself because they are jealous. And he said that he needed to hear that. He needed a male role, role model to tell him all these people that are hating on you, F them, man, you're better than them. And his father, Tom Hanks, apparently didn't do that. And I can believe that. I, I think that I can believe that in this instance. And people do need that. And I'm here to tell you, Chet, I'm a fan. <laughs> I am a fan. He, he said, don't that let he the haters get you down. Absolutely. Don't let the haters get you down. You keep being you and don't worry. He says people were prepared to hate his guts. I don't hate your guts, Chet. I, I, I love you, Chet. F those haters. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. Make more rap songs. Keep doing jokes about the vaccine on Instagram. Go Chet Hanks. Even if you are a psyop, it's one that I can laugh. <laughs> oh at. yeah. They can be fun. Though, Absolutely. But that's like a shot at Tom Hanks. though, Cause Tom Hanks is the face of this whole thing that we're doing, but we have this other media narrative of him being a terrible father, apparently to at least one of his children. Well, he is beloved by most people. So maybe this adds that last little nail in the coffin for Chet to be, you know, he might as well wear a MAGA hat. <laughs> that would be that's what we're waiting for is yeah. the Chet Hanks endorsement for Trump in 2024. Man, that would be quite a <laughs> sight to see there. <laughs>
All right. Before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we get to the bottom of the housing shortage, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is who is buying Trump's post office and how fraudsters are draining people's crypto accounts. I also want to thank our sponsor of today's show, Liberty Gear. LibertyGear.net. This is an online store filled with masks, shirts, and even some cool protest posters, lots of protest gear. They have the Obey, the PSYOP, and the Flatten the Lies mask. You want to get those now because the masks are going out of style. So this can be like one of those collectibles that you get that in 20 years may be worth a lot of money to remember all of these crazy times. Either way, if you go to that website, there's lots of cool stuff, shirts, posters. It'll make you laugh just kind of scrolling through it. So LibertyGear.net. And they take requests. So if you want something made, they will personalize it for you. Just email them through the website. This is a cool, fun website put together by a fellow Liberty lover like yourself. It's the type of company that we want to support right now during these fascist World Economic Forum takeover times. So go to libertygear.net and use the promo code. What is the promo code? I don't see it here. It's uh, prop code, I believe. Is that correct? Is that the wrong promo code? You know what? I'm going to put the promo code you know in the show notes. If you go to thepropreport.com and go to the shop tab, you can click through to our sponsorship page and it has all the URLs for all our sponsors or click through and it has all the promo codes. I just found it. It's promo code propaganda in all lowercase. You get 10% off your purchase at libertygear.net. And also, if you haven't yet, for those of you that aren't watching us on Rockfin, check out Rockfin. It is an emerging video platform where you can find stuff that YouTube will not allow. It's pro-liberty, pro-free speech video platform. And when you sign up through the Propaganda Report page, you get ad-free DMBXR Monday through Wednesday, DMBXR live stream with video every Thursday. That part portion is exclusively on Rockfin, the XR. And and you get our new deep dives that we post you know, a couple times a month where we deconstruct the plans of the globalists from their mouths themselves. This is extraordinary. They say it. We hear Biden say it weeks later. And you also get all of our interviews posted early release with video when available and all of the, the content from all of the Rockfin creators on the platform, including Sam Tripoli, Whitney Webb, Jimmy Dore, and the Mad Ones and Legit Bat. Lots of great content creators on there. All of this for just $9.99 a month. Fantastic deal. Subscribe today at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Now on to the deepest dive of the day. So you know how I feel about when they say perfect storm? Everything that that doesn't make sense, they they say perfect storm. So I have a hashtag going on Twitter. That's another perfect storm. So today, when I saw Fox News say another per, you know, perfect storm, I was like, another perfect storm? And it was the headline was housing inflation, supply chain, create builders, perfect storm. So the people are talking about there's a housing shortage or a real spike in housing prices. And this is just something that's been a regular theme. And it seems to me, or I've read over and over, that the number one factor people point to is this increase in lumber costs. So this article said the entire thing, it didn't really really lay out the factors at work. It just said inflation and supply chain issues are leading to these spikes in the cost of building materials, particularly lumber. But and and it wants you to think that that the supply chain issues are kind of COVID labor shortage related and that the inflation issues are really because of COVID policies, but it doesn't lay that out. So inflation was I think 7% at the last measure. But Lumber prices went to 
I don't know what they were before the pandemic, but in May 2021, they were at fourteen hundred dollars per. I think it's I think the way it goes is per thousand board feet. I can't remember. And then uh, it went down to four hundred in September of 2021. So that was like a pre-pandemic price. And now it's up to 1300 again. So it's triple what it was six months ago. And inflation is not triple. It's not triple. So it can't really be that. And, uh, and it's long after the labor shortage that would have been from people being sick has unwound. And nobody really talks about why there's a persistent labor shortage. If there is, even in that um, industry because their production rebounded a lot. So there are actual causes that I've kind of gotten to the bottom of. And of course, whenever I see another perfect storm, I think that what they're trying to do is cover up the real cause and effect, which quite often is policy. And I think I found that here. So what? Why does? Why do you have shortages or why do you have price spikes? It's when demand and supply are changing. They're not sinking. They're not clearing. And in this case, demand has gone up and supply went down, although supply is mostly rebounded. It's not if a tripling of the price would imply a, a devastation in the supply, but supply has come back as far as producing, especially in Canada, where is kind of our flywheel where we get a lot of the extra lumber. Okay. So demand, why has demand increased? Demand has increased because for many, several numerous factors, one is interest rates were hitting like all time lows. So people felt that they could buy houses and that increased the demand of houses, even though supply could not increase that quickly. Uh, and then there are policies that were so disruptive that they got people to relocate and to demand more residential square footage. So when you're both, when two parents are working at home and the kids are Zooming at home, you need a bigger home. So people were wanting not only to relocate, but to have more square footage, which is a real demand criteria. So they also were felt like they had to move out of really big cities with a lot of population like LA and New York, because it was basically toxic for families. Then the whole Zoom thing and lockdown made it so that you could work remotely. So people felt like they could move. They really didn't know when that was going to end and they were willing to take their chances. And even out of LA and New York, they might've moved like I hope to do because of promised huge increases in taxes. So that's a big reason for demand. Now, there's also uh, supply issues, and it's not necessarily supply issues like there aren't enough trees or there aren't enough lumber capacity. It's supply issues getting the stuff from where it is to where it's needed. It's a, it, 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 the supply issue can happen anywhere along the supply chain, and there are a lot of reasons for that. There are transportation issues, which are from port congestion, from one CEO of a company called Resolute, a Canadian lumber manufacturer, said that there's like no trucking and rail capacity is down by 50%. Why would rail capacity be down by 50%? Now, the railroad up there is owned by the Canadian government. And we know they're up to no good. So that could be it. And what I'm pointing to here, and I'm going to continue rattling these things off, is that a lot of policies are have terrible timing, terrible impact, exacerbating this problem are not essential. And it seems to me like it's being done on purpose. So I couldn't find why any explanation for why rail capacity would be down, but I wouldn't put it past them for having done something stupid like our government's done, which I'll get in a second. Now, why are trucking 
trucking availability down. Hours of service limitations is a big thing where they can only work a certain number of hours. There was a uh, founder and president of Homes, John Falk, who was speaking to Congress on behalf of the National Association of Home Builders in October. He said a few interesting things, one of which was that uh, the that they were kind of exempting or suspending those hours of service limitations for lumber when they, like they do for agriculture. I, didn't, I couldn't verify that. It may be true. But generally, that chases people out of trucking. So even if um, you suspend it in some areas, there's a sh- fewer truck drivers who can live with the constraints. Their fuel prices are up. Vaccine requirements was eliminating some people from trucking, especially across the U.S. Canadian border. Why did they make the vaccine requirement just for that, just for the inter, the transnational stuff? It doesn't make sense. Now, the Freedom Convoy is also putting a big damper on movement of trucks. It's it's tying up trucks. It's tying up that ability to go across. And other things like that have been affecting the supply chain along the way. Like there were dock worker strikes. There's like extreme weather, floods, all this kind of stuff. There's They had an unprecedented wildfire season. And I think weather and wildfires are totally within their control. I've seen it. I believe it. I've got instances where I can demonstrate that. And I think it's more widespread even than I've just looked at. And then this is the real the real killer is that there were two big policies that greatly increased the problem here. Trump had already raised the tariffs and then in November. So remember, I said there was it was fourteen hundred bucks a unit in May. It went down to three or four hundred bucks in September. In November, they doubled the tariffs. They doubled the tariffs. They're blaming the lumber industry for that. The U.S. lumber industry. Um the U.S. lumber industry is saying that because Canada augments their or subsidizes green energy and lumber is intensely energy, um, it uses a lot of energy. So by by supplementing energy, they it's basically subsidizing lumber. But we need their lumber. There's no we're not not buying U.S. lumber. We're absorbing all the U.S. lumber. It just doesn't make sense yet. Despite the begging of the Home Builders Association, they doubled the tariffs. And another thing they did was out of nowhere, they reduced the rights to forests to actually harvest timber in the Black Hills and in Alaska. So this guy, when he was asking Congress, he was saying, like, you've got to reverse these policies. They're really putting a damper on things. Now, for me, I think that this stuff is intentional. And what reasons might there be? I just have a few thoughts on it. He emphasized how the smaller builders are absolutely pushed out because larger builders can set their lumber prices in advance where smaller builders just have to take what they get. And the larger builders can get priority to get bigger shipments faster where the smaller guys just have to wait. And their reputation, their pricing is, it's just always uh, very important to them. They have to pass on all the increased prices. There's no wiggle room there and it will drive them out of business, which that just goes to the globalization of all of this. But they also may be trying to drive people out of being able to own homes. So if they build, make the prices high in the short term, they maybe discourage people from buying. We all know that there are big, big, powerful players who want to buy up single family homes and kind of make 
Americans not have that asset. That is the biggest asset. The biggest savings of middle America is the home. And that is declining or it certainly was declining. And I expect that to resume. I'm also a little worried that these that what's happening here is housing prices are being absolutely pumped up at incredibly low interest rates. So people aren't even noticing that they're how expensive the house is because rates are low. If you're a first time buyer, you might be fooled by the adjustable rate mortgage, which means in seven years time, when you're, if the interest rates are going up, all of a sudden you have to start paying these high interest rates, but 12% interest rate, 8% interest rate, which means if that goes along with a general recession or some kind of rebound in this labor market, um, tight labor market where you have unemployment, people aren't going to be able to pay those higher mortgage prices and they will have to sell their homes. That will cause home prices to crash. These people will not get their equity back. They'll never get their damn payment back and they will never be able to own homes again. This already happened in 2008. And I think we're being set up for another round of that. And that makes me think of Bismarck telling the Kaiser, these people are saving money because the industrial revolution is enhancing their wealth. We need to tax that extra money and give it back to them in unemployment insurance and social security, whatever, so that we can control them so that they can, they can be dependent on us, even though they are earning some wealth. So this to me is another example of what they mean by the great reset. A reset means to zero. Absolutely. They want to reset everything to zero. And you're right. Those companies like BlackRock, they want to become global slumlords, essentially. Blackstone. Take Blackstone. Blackstone. Yes, excuse me. Yeah, they want to be global slumlords. And they want people to be in the metaverse and not care. And you see neighborhoods getting... I know people who live in neighborhoods where it used to be owned by people in the community that just house after house after house going up for sale being bought up by this company absolutely and these kind of policies they play the long game they know what's coming and they can and i actually that's a story i want to talk about in the xr what happens when you know what's coming how you can benefit very very interesting do we have any shout outs today actually we do jackie one of our um longest running and funnest and uh, most loyal patrons who we look forward to seeing next time we have another Atlanta meetup. She is shouting out another great patron, Ismkant. She wants to shout him out. He really brings everyone together in the Discord group. that, And he even set up a URL for it, dppdiscord.com. So they're there. They're definitely there at 10 p.m. on Fridays. I can tell you that. Uh, she wants to thank him for keeping everybody up to date. He has a mouth of sarcasm and tasteless jokes, but the heart of gold and really does care about his friends. So that's awesome. And I also want to remind people of a couple of things that are coming up. I'm going to do a locals live stream tomorrow at five Pacific. You don't even have to be a member. Just go to properport.locals.com. You have to sign up, but you don't have to pay. And then you'll get the notifications of my great quotes that start the day. So it's actually kind of fun. We have a lot of people. Most of the people are signed up free, but that's okay. It's it's super fun anyway. Uh, so check that out. And then if you do want to really support the show, uh, our patron saints are our bread and butter. They keep us going. And for that, we have a monthly Zoom party just for them. So if you want to be a patron saint just for a month, come to the Zoom party, 11 o'clock. In the morning, Pacific time, this Saturday, we're doing emotional wellness, and I'm going to share some of my personal experiences. I think they're highly valuable, and I've got a lot of other people coming to share theirs. I think we have a surprise, um, another podcaster coming to share some wisdom from Jordan Peterson, who 
really does have a lot of emotional wellness um, wisdom. And I think he knows from whence he speaks, he understands the struggles of this world, especially in this day and age. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, now I think I'm ready to wrap. Fantastic. Thank you, Monica, for your news and insights. Thank you all for watching. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content I was telling you about, go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and join up there through our channel. We will talk to you guys next time or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>